I am not particularly proud of it, but I have to confess that on a recent long plane flight, in order to make the time pass more quickly, I read a rom-com, a total rom-com beach-type reading. Now, there were so many other worthier things that I could have read. I could have read, I should have read, content about Israel and the demonstrations and the judicial reform impasse. I could have read, I should have read, Daf Yomi, a daily page of Talmud study. With Passover coming, I could have read, I should have read, the work of the late Jonathan Sachs, may he rest in peace, on the Haggadah, so that I would have new insights for this year's Sadarim. But I didn't. Instead, I read a total rom-com. Now, I did it. I take responsibility for that choice. <laughs> I would never want to blame anybody else for that choice. I would never want to blame, for example, my wife, Shira, for that choice. Even though, even though Shira read the book first and thoroughly enjoyed it, I don't want to say she entrapped me by putting the book in our family Kindle, but it was in our family Kindle. So there I was, I read the rom-com. Now, I digress because what really matters is not why I read it, but the story. The story involves a woman named Nora, who is 39 years old, and she is the writer of, of love stories that get produced on the Romance Channel, kind of Hallmark card love stories. And her stories, and she's written many of them that got produced on the Romance Channel, all follow a script. They follow a template. So much so that in this book, she challenges one of the other characters, give me any random set of facts, and I can generate a new love story that will be produced on the Romance Channel. So I'll quote, give me a gender, a location, and a career, Nora says to this other character. Okay, female, Chicago, real estate developer. Okay, easy, says Nora. Stephanie, a young urban real estate developer, takes a trip to rural Illinois to look into buying a dairy farm and turning it into a corporate retreat center. The young, handsome owner of the farm doesn't want to sell, and they butt heads. But as she spends more time on the farm, she sees how important it is to the community, and they fall in love. One day, she gets a call that she needs to shut down the farm immediately or lose her job. She leaves for Chicago. He is heartbroken. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. Wait. One day, he's plugging along, and who comes back? Stephanie, yes. She's gone back to Chicago, and she has realized that big city living isn't for her. She's going to stay out in the sticks, and OPS, she has a brilliant idea for how to save the farm the end. 
Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> so Nora generates story after story of these scripted stories that get produced on the Romance Channel. And so it goes until her own life goes very much off script. Her husband and the father of their two children just walks out on her and walks out on their children, and now she is divorced and a single mom and has to try to figure out how to live when you're not following the script. Thus, the title of this rom-com is Nora Goes Off Script. Now, why do I mention this today? Because, of course, it ties directly to the Torah reading. <laughs> it really does. Because the Torah reading for the last three weeks, Teruma, Tzava, Kitisa, the Torah has laid out all of these instructions for how to build the tabernacle. And in today's reading, Vayaka Pakure, all of those instructions, the script, is followed. And the light motif, every time the Israelites build a part of the tabernacle, is they do it, Ka'asher Tziva Adonai Et Moshe, just as God had commanded Moses, they do it. God gives the script, the people follow it to a T, and as a result, the presence of God fills the tabernacle. The end. All happy. Now, all of us have scripts. And all of us have prayers for how we would like our scripts to be followed. We all dream that our children will grow up into happiness and in health that they will work hard and be serious, good citizens, that they'll go to a college that they'll love and get a wonderful education, that after college they'll find meaningful work that is a source of fulfillment and enough economic sustenance that they can live the life they want to live. Our script for our kids is that they grow up and they will not know loneliness. That they'll meet somebody younger. When they're young, they don't have to go through the tough 20s and the tough 30s alone. And they'll fall in love. And they'll get married. And they'll bring children into the world. And they'll live on the same street next to us. Maybe a street over, a couple of streets, <laughs> but certainly the same zip code. And our script, our prayer for our script is then we'll do life together, a multi-generational family. We don't have to wait for Pesach to have generations around the table. We don't have to go to Logan Airport to have generations around the table. We could have generations around the table on any ordinary night, any ordinary Shabbos in February, any Sunday night, multiple generations connected, happy. That's our script. And when that script happens, 
when our prayer is fulfilled. Then you get the Exodus effect at the end. You can feel the presence of God in our lives, in our homes, in our families, and sometimes it even happens that way. But as we all know, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes it's not only Nora who goes off script. Sometimes it's we who go off script. Sometimes it's our children and grandchildren who go off script. And there are health issues not supposed to be part of the script. And there are relational issues and tensions, not part of the script. And financial and professional and lack of mazel issues, not part of the script. And what do we do then? And because that happens for everybody, the Torah has two different modes, two fundamental modes of existence. One mode is the Mishkan, the tabernacle, that rarefied space where the script is followed. Ka'asher tziva Adonai Moshe. That's about this much of life. And the rest of life is Bamidbar, in the wilderness, where almost nothing follows the script. It's in the wilderness that the script does not happen. It's in the wilderness that you get the sin of the golden calf off script. It's in the wilderness that you get the sin of the spies and the panic of the people off script. And it's in the wilderness where it's decided that the entire generation of the Exodus is going to die in the desert and they're never going to get to the promised land. That was not in the original script, but that's the deal. So you get tabernacle, the script is followed, and you get the rest of life, a wilderness where the script is not followed. Now, what do we do? How do we think about our time in the wilderness? So I have a friend who has just the simplest teaching that I think about all the time. He says, Ein Ra Belitov. Ein Ra Belitov. Every bad brings about some kind of good. Every bad, the things you would never have picked off the menu if you had a choice, but nobody does. When they happen, we can still find legitimate, authentic good. So you'll be very glad to know that that's what happens in Nora Goes Off Script. <laughs> so I know you're waiting on bated breath for this, so I'll just tell you. So she writes another story, but it's not one of her scripted stories. Instead, it's a painful autobiography. And she tells a story about a woman who's raising two kids, and the husband walks out on her. And it's so different from her romance channel stuff that Hollywood sees this as a legitimate film, and they they want to do a motion picture. And they want to film the motion picture in her actual house, in the places where her own marriage fell apart. And they cast the male lead with a Leonardo DiCaprio type or a Brad Pitt type. And Nora is 39 years old. And this male lead, Leonardo DiCaprio, is 40. He is single. 
And recently, his mother passed away, so he's now in this soulful phase where he's thinking about home and hearth and family and commitment. Should I tell you what happens next? <laughs> okay, spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you what happens next. This Leonardo DiCaprio falls in love with Nora. And I might as well finish the spoiler alert. She falls in love with him. And they begin a life together. Ain Ra Belitov, every bad has some kind of a different good. Now that happens in rom-com. Does it happen in real life? Does it happen here? Does it happen right now? So on Thursday morning, I went to Minion in the Gan Chapel. By the way, the Gan Chapel is the holiest place on planet Earth. And the most special times are morning minion and evening minion. It happens every day in a different way, and it happened again on Thursday, the most magical place, the Gan Chapel at 7 a.m. And it was uh, Miriam, her big aliyah before bat mitzvah, and she was there with Michelle, and she was there with Ruthie and Sheldon, her maternal grandparents. They all took an aliyah together. It was very beautiful, as it always is. And at the end of the service, I see her grandmother, Ruth, saying Kaddish. So I'm in the Kaddish club. I go straight up to her and I say, Ruth, who are you saying Kaddish for? And she tells me it's like this, that on the cat's side of the family, on Miriam's side of the family, there was a lot of family members, a lot of family members, who perished in the Shoah. And one of the survivors, the oldest survivor in the family, and the last survivor in the family, is named Helen, also known by her Yiddish name, Suri. And Helen was to have turned 100 years old today. And Helen, uh, who came from a place, a small town in what is now Ukraine called Ilnitsa, was the most resilient person, life-affirming person, indomitable spirit. Just one example to take it in, she survives and she marries the love of her life named Philip. And when she's 85 years old, Philip dies. She's now a widowed survivor, age 85. And after she mourns her husband, she re-meets up with somebody that she knew 70 years earlier in Ilnitsa, their town. And she falls in love and gets married again in her mid-80s. So she was to turn 100 years old today. That was the script. And the family was going to mark that script with two joyful acts. One joyful act was she has a grandson who is engaged, and this grandson and his fiance were going to get married at Helen's Senior Living Center, kind of the new bridge of Montreal, just yesterday. That is to say, on Helen's 99th year and 364th day, her grandson and his fiance were going to get married at Newbridge, Montreal. But since she died 
on Monday, March 13th, they were now living very much off script. And they decided to get married anyway, this grandson and his fiance, not at the senior living center. They got married at, with the Justice of the Peace in Montreal because that is Helen's propensity to say yes to life. That was act one. Act two, today she would have turned 100, was that 13 members of her extended mishpacha from Montreal were going to be celebrating Miriam Stern's bat mitzvah at Temple Emmanuel in Newton. But alas, the family is off script. Since she died on Monday, they are sitting shiva in Montreal, and they're not here celebrating Miriam's bat mitzvah in person in the Rabbi Chil Sanctuary. But ain ra belitov. Every bad contains a different kind of good. So March 18th is the day that Helen, that Suri, would have turned 100. But alas, she died five days ago. But March 18th is the day that Miriam Stern becomes the newest adult in the family. And it is as if Helen is saying to Miriam on this day, tag your it. Resilience, strength, affirmation of life. I gave it all I had for 99 years and 361 days, and that's now in you. When we find ourselves off script, and we will, and we do, because that is the human condition, may we find a different kind of good that will also be beautiful in its own way. Shabbat Shalom.